Well, good morning, Village Church. It is my pleasure to be here this morning. I am uh, on staff here at Village Church. I lead our Village at Victory Ministry, our assisted living outreach. And uh, so that's me. And I have a, a special treat for you this morning. But first, I need to give you some background. We have something at Village Church called the Village Church Q&A podcast. Now, if, uh, if you're not aware of what the podcast is, it's basically a radio show where we answer questions that all of you send in to us. So the pastors, uh, they, they just take these questions, they look, and they're questions about the Bible, they're questions about theology, they're questions about practical living. And uh, the pastors take these questions and they look at them and they, and they give solid biblical answers to these questions. Well, that's the Q&A podcast. Today, here at Village Church, we are basically doing a live version of that a live Q&A, and so I'm, uh, I'm super excited. Now, uh, the Q&A podcast, something cool about it, you know, they ask the, the practical questions, they ask the biblical questions. Well, uh, maybe if some of you have been listening, they, they also ask the question, does your church staff know how to rap? Um, so if you've listened to it, you heard Miss Deborah, and, and you can attest to the fact that, that the church staff knows how to rap at Village Church. So that's, that's very good. So we've been going through this series called Victorious, and we're looking specifically at how we, has, as Christians, we've been, been given all the tools that we need to fight in the spiritual battle. Here's the reality. Whenever you talk about spiritual things, questions are inevitably going to come up. So the questions that we are going to be addressing today are questions about the spiritual realm, about spiritual warfare. Now, uh, many of you over the last two weeks have been submitting questions to us, and we're so grateful. Um, we're going to be answering those. But if you haven't had a chance to submit questions, you can do that live today on the Village Church app. So if you look up here at the very bottom of the app, there's a, question, uh, a link that says, ask a question uh, about the spiritual realm. So if you go there, you can type in your question, send it to me. I'll get it live up here and we'll get that question in the rotation. Now, uh, one more housekeeping issue. We've had over 30 questions asked already and there are still more to come, I'm sure. We can't answer all those questions in this time period. So what's going to happen is that starting tomorrow, you'll hear a week-long series where we answer every single question. Uh, that's very exciting. So without uh, further ado, let's have the pastors come on up. Um, so we have Pastor Tim, our pastor of discipleship. <laughs> pastor Michael, our lead pastor and Pastor Craig, our church planning pastor. And uh, I just like, before we jump into the questions, I'd like to take a chance to pray for them. Father, thank you for these men and their commitment to you. Lord, this morning, I, uh, I just ask that you would give them wisdom and discernment to speak truth about uh, questions that are, are really often confusing and difficult. Lord, I pray that you would enable them to speak with clarity Lord, and I pray that your spirit would fall upon our hearts uh, and open our hearts up to whatever truth you might have to speak to us. Lord, th would this be useful? Would this be helpful? Uh, ultimately, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first question we have is about the spiritual realm. And Pastor Michael, this question is for you. Uh, <laughs> the question is this. Is there a hierarchy in the angelic and demonic realm? 
do some angels have more power than others? So uh, if I'm going to lead out of transparency right now, what I need to tell you is that there are a few questions that we did know in advance. And, uh, <laughs> and prepared for. And, and had some, well, thankfully, like, this is a question I get often, um, often enough that I have a thorough thought through answer for it. So I've been given 90 seconds, and Alex has been given full permission to buzz me. More importantly for these two guys, if they go too long, I'm 30 seconds in. Let me just give you, I, I think, what is, what is maybe one of the, the clearest uh, answers that has helped me. Um, any great leader of any organization um, uh, has a very clear, thorough org chart. They have clear lines of authority. They have great communication skills. They are very organized. And uh, I really believe that the greatest speaker at any leadership conference would be Satan himself. Um, who is one of the most well-organized, um, focused, intentional um, leaders that we could possibly like, think of. He has um, thousands of years of practice. and um, it, So you, you need to think about the demonic realm as the second best well-oiled machine in the universe, um, second only to um, what Jesus leads. And so when you think about that as a hierarchy, yes, there's actually one of my favorite um, passages is in J Daniel chapter 10. Um, and this gives us honestly, a, a really almost petrifying, if you're not a Christian, insight into the demonic and spiritual realm. Daniel's praying, and uh, an angel is sent by God to answer his prayer, and the angel finally makes his way to Daniel. But listen to what the angel says. He says, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. This is an angel talking about him being released by God from heaven to minister to Daniel, and an angel in the spiritual a de demon stopped him and entrapped him for 21 days, and then an archangel would, be, would communicate hierarchy. The chief of the angelic realm, Michael, um, comes in and has to free him, the angel so the angel can deliver the message to Daniel. Um, and, and I love it. It even gives him a, a domain of jurisdiction um, that is earthly, the kingdom of Persia. So there's a demon over that kingdom, and, and, and likely, I think, if we could unravel that there would be demons over um, uh, nations, continents, cities, empires, etc. That may be weird for you to think about, but when you think about the demonic realm, think incredibly organized, hierarchical, um, vested authority in different lines um, of that org chart. So, hope that helps. All right, good. Was that 90 seconds? No, that was, uh, it was really close. Okay. Not quite. <laughs> you did, oh, I'm, I'm proud of you. Forget about that my intro. Good. That doesn't count. <laughs> All right, well, great. You guys have anything to add to that? No? No? Good. You did a great job then. All right, good, because they want to get to the other questions. Cool. So the reality is, is that uh, when we talk about the spiritual realm, questions come up about uh, ghosts and stuff like that too. Uh, so Pastor Craig, this question is for you. What are ghosts, number one, and can something be haunted? So this is an interesting question because of how it impacts our present culture. It's very normal to see, even on TV, programs where you'll see people talking to the dead or mediums and things like that. And even in the Christian culture, it has permeated through that, particularly in South America. So this is a very interesting uh, question because of its relevance to where we're at uh, today. Also, not only that, but also because uh, I had an experience with somebody who came to me and said, you know, my wife of 40 years passed away and is it wrong for me to talk to her? And um, that's, that's really a tough 
question to answer because you want to be tender to the fact that this, this man has loved his wife and lived, that's all he's remembered. And um, so my answer to him was, was no, you feel free to talk to your wife. But understand one thing, uh, Hebrews 6, uh, 9.27 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when our loved ones die, they, uh, particularly those who are believers, when they die, in this case, I was able to tell him she wouldn't want to come back. She's where she would like to be. She was where she needs to be. And you need to look forward to that day when you get to see her again and revel in the fact that God has given you all truth that you need to live by, that you'll see her again someday. Now, exit the uh, Christian realm and move into the non-Christian realm, the unbelieving realm, and you will find all kinds of cultures that talk to the dead and see the dead. This is a dangerous thing uh, because uh, if when we die, we immediately exit these bodies, we go somewhere. That's heaven or hell. And the reason we see people or we, that people think they see people is because uh, the devil disguises himself in all different ways. And when people talk to people that they don't actually, that aren't actually living, uh, the indication is that there is something else uh, parading around as somebody that they know so that they can talk to and see and communicate with uh, dead people. Um, and this is not an, uh, not an unusual thing, which is unfortunate. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that people do that in, in uh, our culture today. But ultimately, it comes down to if you are exited from this body, you have gone somewhere else, and there is no coming back. If you feel like you are talking to somebody that has exited their body, uh, likely that is not that person. That is something else parading around, uh, trying to get that person um, away from God and uh, deceive them into something that is horrible. And typically those are demonic spirits. So you're saying the movie, The Sixth Sense is unbiblical. I would say The Sixth Sense is, is entertaining, but yes, completely unbiblical. What about Ghost? <laughs> so you saw it. So. <laughs> Drop the mic. I'm just thinking pottery right now. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Important clarifications here. Uh, okay, Pastor Tim, the next question is for you. This is uh, specifically about spiritual warfare. What traps does Satan use to trip up Christians? So often we think that uh, Satan functions as we see in Hollywood, but he really functions in different ways uh, most of the time. He can function like we see in Hollywood, but he usually uses things like suffering. Um, most of us know the biblical story of Job and how Satan was allowed by God to uh, cause great physical suffering in Job's life to the point where um, his wife even encouraged him to you know, curse God and die uh, to end the, the suffering. Um, Satan loves to use that suffering piece to just really trap us into believing God's not around, God doesn't care. Um, sexuality is another one of his tools. Um, our culture is inundated with sexual overtones and sexual, you know, out-and-out, you know, scenes in movies and cultures. It's just everywhere, even in uh, the music. Um, he loves to get us um, in, the, in the realm of sexuality um, and convincing um, both married and unmarried people that, you know, the whole purpose of marriage or, or sexuality is so that you can be happy. And that's not what 
God means for sexuality to be. Um, science, you know, uh, Craig mentioned this, I think, um, a couple of messages ago, that our culture, our scientific uh, arena, I mean, is just, is so confused. And it, it, the, the whole realm and whole reason behind going into um, the millions and millions and millions of years of evolution is so that we can prove that God couldn't exist. So if you remove God from the equation, then why worship anything? I mean, it's all about you. And science is just, it's on every TV show. It's in every uh, natural history museum. It's at the Museum of Science and Industry. It's in every textbook that, you know, God is dead. God is not around. Um, the spirit of the age is another area that God um, has to combat. And as Christians, we have to combat this. Ephesians 2 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air, the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You know, Michael joked about this, you know, uh, are the demonic forces in technology? Well, he's the prince yes. and power of the air. Absolutely. You know, so everything wireless, you know, or wired, uh. you know, he loves to, to get in and, and cause disarray. But probably the most subtle thing that Satan uses is our own selfishness. You know, if you think back to um, the Genesis 3 account, you know, Satan, Satan caused Eve to look upon the fruit, and she saw that it was good. Mm. And Satan loves for us to be tripped up. One of his traps is our own selfishness, our own pride, our own sense of, you know, I'm missing out on what God has best for me, which is just totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Uh, can to I, follow, can actually, I help? Uh, yeah, you can. Good. I totally disagree. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, You're wrong. I know that you like science uh -huh. um, on one level, right? Yes. And what I, what, I, um, what I love to process is I, I don't have an issue with a lot of things that are discovered. It's how the narrative is told and how stuff is put together. How the facts are twisted right. to mean something different than what they say. So we can look at 10 facts, but we can, we can organize those facts in a way that communicates a false narrative. We can order them wrongly, and if you don't have a filter to process those facts that is from God, if your filter is thoroughly demonic because it's culturally influenced, and then you take all of these good facts and you filter them in the wrong filter, you're going to get wrong information and conclusions. Yep. And so that's why science is so much a matter of worldview, because how you begin is how you end. And uh, anyways, that just, that's, mm -hmm. um, of all totally of them, like, that's like my, my pet peeve. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't want us to sound like, you know, you're not, you didn't do this, but like, I don't want to sound like, like poo science. I like no. science. Right. I just don't like the narrative that they cram facts into. Okay, you know? Pastor Craig, I'm going to have you follow up on that. We had a question come in, uh, and this is going to take this to the, to the very practical level. How do we as parents deal with the abundance of evil entering our homes in the form of entertainment, such as TV and music. Much entertainment is disguised as harmless and just entertainment, uh, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Our job is to redeem culture <clears throat> that begins in our homes. You start with the smallest circle and move out. And so you've got to guard your home. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of being vigilant, so you need to know what's on your kids' uh, laptops and what's on their 
uh, computer screens and what they're watching on TV. Um, and that's very difficult. Uh, I know that. I have four. And uh, I come downstairs, and, the, and you can access all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and you can access stuff without even intending to. And so this world is changing very, very quickly. And a part of that, I think, is technology is wonderful. I would, I would agree with Michael. I, technology can be a, a wonderful thing. It can be a, a thing that we can use to redeem. Uh, but Satan has got his claws in technology pretty deep at this point. Uh, and it's very rare that you can even sit down, much less your kids, and, um, and, and watch something on TV or, or, because you'll come, come across something. So there's, there's filters that you can put on. There's, uh, there's uh, uh, codes that you can put on your TV. Uh, and I would, I would suggest that you do that and lay down the law for your, for your children so that they know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And uh, the whole idea of not checking up on your kids, uh, that's just silliness. Uh, you need to check up on your kids on a regular basis. Uh, you need to be in their stuff on a regular basis and make sure they understand that's a rule when they're young so that when they get older, they expect it. Amen. Great. Thank you. All right. Uh, so the next question is for Pastor Michael, and it's uh, two questions that kind of go together. The first is, how do prayer and scripture measurably defeat demons real time? Mm. And then the second question that goes along with that is, what can I do when I am under spiritual attack? Right. Good. Um, so uh, I, I like the way the question is worded, but I want to dismantle it. Um, how can I defeat them? I want to just be super duper clear. If you're a believer in Jesus, they are already defeated. They are already victorious. Disarmed. You are Victorious. victorious. Yeah, good job. Thank you. Good lead. Um, you are, so the, the defeat has been executed. It has been done. They are shamed. They are mocked. They're humiliated. It is finished. Um, so your, I think the question is, okay, how do I get this oppression? How do I get them away from me? What do I do? How do prayer and scripture measurably defeat them? Um, and, and here's how I, I like to think about it. So we have laws in this universe. You have the second law of thermodynamics. You have laws of gravity. Like things just work in a certain way because our physical universe is wired to function in a certain way. And in the same way, when you enter into the spiritual realm, there are laws. And when you, you just can't mess with these laws. So here's a simple law. You resist the devil, Christian filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will flee. Um, in fact, will might be too like light of a word. He must it's a law. So um, the devil comes to you. Let's say you had this very practical encounter, and he's like, oh, hey, look at this pornography. And if you say no, what is he obligated to do if you're a Christian? Flee, okay? Um, on the other hand, you do have the freedom to say, okay, um, hey, steal this. Okay. Um, you do have the ability to entertain him, right? But even, even if you give him that leeway, he still has limits around you, which another one of the laws is he cannot touch your salvation or your security or your soul, okay? Those are untouchable because the laws of the spiritual universe don't permit him to, to enter into that jurisdiction. And so one of the things I would just tell you about prayer and the Word of God is that they work because it's a part of the functional laws of the spiritual universe. Um, now, if, if I like pull out some random verse from Deuteronomy when Satan's around me, he might laugh at me, okay? Like, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, simple ones. Hey, Satan, greater is he who is in me than he who is in you, or than he who is in the world. Um, you have been publicly shamed and defeated and mocked by the power of Jesus Christ and the shed blood on the cross. Like, he just cannot stand against the basic facts that you have lost, Jesus is one, I'm his. And so I would just tell you that I, I can't like paint a picture like, oh yeah, when you quote scripture, he spiritually bleeds and then limps away. See, demonic. Uh, uh, he didn't like that. But what I can tell you is that if you resist, um, it works. When you pray, 
it automatically, and this is what I, I think every Christian has to get, prayer may be a physical act on one level, but God has set up the laws of the, of the connection between the physical and spiritual universe such that when your mouth opens up in prayer to God, if you were a Christian, it automatically has spiritual dynamics and effects in the spiritual realm. You cannot get away from it. So can, can prayer is not right like... There? Yeah, go for it, yeah. please. Interrupt me. I can talk. Yeah, gotta, I know. Yeah. So what, what, one of the things that we too often believe is that Satan can read our mind. Satan cannot read our mind. Satan can influence our mind. He mm -hmm. can influence our thoughts, yep. but he cannot read our mind. So when we're praying and we feel under a demonic attack, praying in our hearts or as, you know, praying in our head, Satan can't hear that. Demonic mm -hmm. forces can't hear that. Uh, I have a very good friend, pastor friend of mine, did many weeks and quite a bit of study on this topic. And he says, if you feel that you are being under attack by a demonic force, pray out loud. Satan, get away from me. Demonic forces, I'm not going to believe that. Move, you know, quote scripture out loud. Not, not in your head, not in your heart. It has to be out loud because Satan can't hear our thoughts. So that's good. Uh, okay, so we had a question come in. If this was on Facebook Live, it is not on Facebook Live. The live part is us answering questions on the spot while, uh, while we're in front of all of you. So that's what we mean when we say live, just a clarification issue. The next question is for Pastor Craig. If I try to cast a demon out of a non-Christian, will I be successful if I am a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> uh, thank you for giving him that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm too far over for softballs. So, um, so can I cast out a demon? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, you can. Uh, quite frankly, because of everything that we've been talking about up here, uh, if you understand that the power that is at work within you is greater than the power in the world, then you can. Now, does that mean that you should run into situations where that would occur uh, no, I would, I would suggest that you do not. However, there are situations where you will find yourself in and you will ask yourself, um, is this a demonic possession thing or a demonic oppression thing? Sometimes those are very difficult to figure out, uh, to distinguish the difference between the two. And so I what I would reiterate is what uh, Michael and Tim have already said. Uh, the best way to do that is, is to, instead of trying to identify, is this a demonic possession thing? or oppression thing, start quoting scripture and use that sword. It is your offensive weapon. So you use that sword as the offensive weapon. Remember, if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, that was, uh, that's the thing that saved Christian when he thrust that sword into the side of Apollyon. Uh, that is our weapon of offense. There is no other weapon of offense that we have, so um, of offense that we have. So quote scripture, pray, um, don't run into situations where that occurred, but uh, quite frankly, when Jesus called his disciples to, uh, to ministry, he gave them the authority to cast out demons. When he talks uh, to us in the New Testament, when he, when he uh, talks about the leaders of the church and those who are believers in the church, they are regularly, um, uh, there's an onslaught of, of demonic um, oppression against them, and they are constantly going against that. Uh, there, there are instances where, um, uh, there's one instance that we had talked about earlier uh, when we were talking about uh, the, the power that we have to cast out demons. Um, and, and that is, it's important that you know who you are. So if you are a blood-bought believer, if you are uh, one who's been saved by God's grace, then uh, you have that power. And the reason you have that power is not so that you can prop yourself up over, over Satan. 
It is because you have the opportunity to give God glory, to shame Satan, to shame his kingdom, and to, and to declare our victory over him when those opportunities occur. So don't be afraid of those situations, but don't look for them uh, necessarily. Um, but understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You, yes, you do have the power to do that. Not you, but God who works through you, the Holy Spirit at work in you, and the Bible at work through you. So right. I don't know... If I, like, let's say Jim Bob, I, if there's a Jim Bob, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but if there's a, if Jim Bob is, hey, Jim Bob, hey. Uh, if he's right here and Jim Bob is not a Christian and he's clearly demonically possessed, right? Let's, I, I don't think, you, in, in, like, later, like, submit questions and if you disagree, totally send it on the Q&A and then, like, let us know. But I probably would not cast that demon out. Um, and Matthew 12 is what comes to mind. Could be worse. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I'll return um, to my house from which I came, the person. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself. So there's eight of them now. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Uh, and he's using this as an illustration for something else, but obviously he's giving us insight. And so... Um, I don't disagree with anything you said. I was actually just pondering the question, like, what if a non-Jim Bob, you know, that's my notorious non-Christian, and Susie Q is my uh, non-Christian woman in my brain. And so if Jim Bob is here, I'm probably going to pray for him. I just don't know what to do with that. Because let's say I cast the demon out. I can't guarantee you he's going to trust in Christ yeah, his greatest his soul. His greatest need is accepting Christ's right. forgiveness, not right. kicking, the, kicking the demon. But, it, but if, but, okay, I'm yeah. just contradicting myself right now, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I keep telling I've thought about this, but, uh, but if you don't get the demon out, you'll never have an opportunity to give him mental clarity to process that is the very, gospel. That could be very true. Yes, absolutely. So maybe I would. Okay, I <laughs> repent. <laughs> there you go. I would, no, I'd agree with everything yeah. that you said. And the greatest, the greatest need of any soul, demon-possessed or not demon-possessed, yeah. is that everyone is in a battle like, we had, like we've been talking about, and everyone needs the power of God at work within them. And yeah. so the greatest need of anybody is that that house, that, that, yeah. that temple, that tent, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that person yeah. would be given the ability uh, to not be filled with demons or to not be uh, under the oppression of demons without their own ability yeah. through the power of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to overcome. Okay, That's I'm good. glad we talked about that. All right, so uh, we're just going to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Pastor Michael, what would be an example of Satan disguising himself as an angel of light? Um, so I think Satan is going to disguise himself in two ways. It's going to be through people or through ideas. Um, those will be the two primary ways. And so uh, I have the verse on here somewhere, but oh yeah, Second uh, Corinthians eleven thirteen, 13, uh, talking about false uh, prophets. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen. I mean, they're claiming the name of Jesus, right? And then it says this, uh, they even disguise, um, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, meaning these people um, are the way that Satan is masquerading himself as an angel of light. So there are, are false teachers, and I have no issues saying like, someone like Benny Hinn, right? I just have no patience for his doctrine, his theology, his gospel. Um, it, it's just nauseating. And, and clearly he comes across and presents himself as somebody who offers you temporary good if you just give a little bit of money. And this is totally his plot, as he uses people who look good, they're shiny, they're blingy, they seem nice, and these would be like angels of light. This would be a way that he would masquerade himself. I think the other issue comes in in the context of ideas. So um, if you grew up in Western culture, 
um, and you're particularly, I'll say, under 30 years old, there are going to be things that are just intuitively right. Even though the Bible contradicts itself, you grew up in this culture that forms right and wrong, okay? And everybody has this, but um, so, for example, um, your views on sexuality and marriage, right, you're going to have a heart cultural language, and you're going to hear some ideas from the world that are going to feel right, but it doesn't mean they are right. And so ideas, uh, this is just one of the ways, they masquerade themselves as good, they feel good. If it doesn't hurt anybody else, who cares? It's not that big of a deal, it's just sex. All of these ideas that culturally feel good, um, they're, they're basically a tool that masquerades itself as a good thing, but it's really a bad thing. And I think we just know that, I would say people and ideas are the two primary ways. Great, okay, so now we're gonna take this question uh, sort of a different direction. So in the same way that a, a demonic being could disguise itself, and this is a question that came in, couldn't an angel disguise themselves too? Uh, and so deal with that. There's also a question yeah. in here, could a ghost be an angel? Right. So I would go back to the spiritual laws of the universe. There's yep. no um, uh, indication whatsoever that an angel will ever deceive. An angel always presents itself as truthfully what it fully is. Um, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. We're told in Scripture, and not, not being prepared, I can't quote the place in Scripture. But you haven't we, memorized the whole Bible? Yeah, I don't have the whole Bible memorized. Okay. But we entertain angels unaware. Yep. And so, angels unaware. Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews, Hebrews 13, right? 2. Oh, good. Somebody I have read. the internet. He's in, he's in, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was Hebrews, I was but I didn't know what chapter and verse. That works, that works. It's but, but we need to be clear. Those angels are not intentionally deceiving us. You know, Satan and the demonic forces try to deceive. They try to appear as something they're not. The angels that, uh, if you think back in the, the book of Genesis, where uh, Abraham was visited by uh, three angels, mm -hmm. and they were, they were talking to him about, you know, his, the plot of, uh, of Job. I'm, I'm sorry, Lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he didn't know that they were angels. He thought they were men. Mm -hmm. And often, uh, angels can appear... Uh, in, in our own world, in our own realm, and we entertain them. But they're for our good. They're not for our, evil, the, our harm. So. Okay, good. So now we're going to transfer to round two of this whole uh, question and answer deal. So uh, we have what we're going to call a lightning round. Well, they just give quick uh, one-word answers to all of these questions. So we, some, yeah, I know. It's going to be amazing. They'll all be in sync. It will be like they've like rehearsed 13 it or sermons in one minute. <laughs> yeah, right. 13 <laughs> sermons in one minute. Here we go. So uh, question one, is the demonic realm behind false religions like Islam and Mormonism? Yes. Yes. Okay. Should I be scared? Okay. Let me uh, rephrase this. Should I, as a Christian, be scared of Satan and demons? No. No. Uh, can angels or demons possess Christians? No. Can demons possess non-Christians? Yes. yes. If Jesus and Satan were in a boxing match. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, here's an important one for who's on the stage. Which country does Satan have more influence Canada. over? America. Canada. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> Canada, dude. Canada. Obviously, Canada is. I think uh, they turned my Jesus mic off. would be wearing the red, white, and blue. Yeah. This Jesus is how Canadians have an American flag. Resist the devil. Take off, you holzer. <laughs> uh, can a house be haunted? Yes. yes. Can a church have demonic activity in it? Yes. yes. Amen. Can a demonically possessed person go into a church? Yes. yes. 
Should I be afraid of that person if I am a Christian? No. No. Should I, okay, should I seek out demonic warfare if I am a Christian? No. no. It'll find you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just wait. <laughs> if I stumble upon it, should I be afraid of demonic warfare? No. no. Like, do you get a pattern here? Like, we don't need to be afraid. We're right. victorious. Right. That's what we're getting at here. Um, who is stronger, Craig, Michael, Tim, or Alex? Alex. So, Alex. Alex. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> okay, uh, round three. That's enough of that. Uh, Your hair could beat me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah let's, I concede. <laughs> okay. Uh, back to back to more <laughs> practical side You've of things. You lost control. Yeah, man. I know. It's just going everywhere. Uh, it's not surprising. Yeah. If. <laughs> It is envy. That's true. That's if, all it is. Pastor Tim, this is for you. For Tim. Yeah. If, the, uh, if the husband, if a husband or a father is walking in a sin that the Holy Spirit has convicted him of, but he is unrepentant, does he then open his family up to spiritual attack since he is the spiritual head of the house? <sighs> okay. <laughs> And if others want to help yeah, Pastor the, Tim with this, you can You can talk, yeah. that's fine. I've right? got an answer for this. The answer is complicated. It, it, it's possible. Uh, if, if the husband as the head of the home, the spiritual head of the home, is blatantly disobeying and being defiant to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, um, that could possibly open up the, the home to greater demonic activity. Um, but at the same time, um, nowhere in Scripture that I can think of, does that occur? Um, we, we are all under, a, we're all in a spiritual battle, believers and non-believers alike, whether we realize it or not. Um, to have greater spiritual demonic activity because of one individual in the home. Um, consequences, yes. You know, we've got the story of Achan uh, in the Old Testament where Achan uh, intentionally stole, he defied the, the uh, instructions of the Lord, and his family um, went along with that, that lie and with that, with that uh, theft, and they suffered the consequences. So they can, you know, one person in the family can create uh, circumstances that there's greater judgment on that entire family, if the entire family knows about this and is going along with the, the uh, disobedience or, or, or defiance. However, you know, not knowing this situation specifically, if the, if the wife and children or if there are children are in submission to the Lord and obedient to the Lord and, you know, following the Lord's instruction the best that they can, um, they're going to battle Satan in a different realm. Um, and when I say Satan, not Satan specifically, Satan can only be in one place at one time, uh, but demonic forces um, so, yeah, there, there's going to be demonic activity, but I wouldn't think that it would be greater because of, of the Father, but there could be consequences of that. Great. Uh, this is an important question that came in. If I wear shoes like Pastor Michael, uh, will I be closer to Jesus? Yes. Quite obviously, <laughs> the answer is yes. Because yes, I'm not officially the only one on stage that wear sandals, but when I actually preach, I will wear yeah, you do, amazing you wear shoes. Nice shoes. Yeah, you wear really nice shoes. <laughs> if you need um, help buying shoes, I would love to help you. It's very special. Um, 
Oh, I, I'm okay. Here we go. Uh, Pastor Craig, this is for you. How do you put the armor of God on? And uh, so we'll combine this with another one. So one, how do you put the armor of God on? But then also, um, so I don't, the, the person asking, they say, I don't really know the Bible. Uh, I believe that it's God's word, but I don't really know the Bible. Um, so if I don't know the Bible and that's, essen- like, that's essential for taking up the sword, do I have a problem? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, you do. Um, you're a speed bump. Um, the, so the thing is, the word of God, we're, we're told in Romans chapter 12 that we are to not conform to the world, but transform, right? So if we're going to transform, we need help. You are given a huge help in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in us when we accept Christ as our Savior, and he testifies to us that we are children of God. He communicates to us the truth of God. He begins to transform us. That is his job. That's why Jesus said it's very important that I go away so that you can have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you power. All of these things that Michael has been talking about, um, the power that we have as, as believers comes through the Holy Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit will communicate those things to us, but uh, our, it's very important that we understand Scripture so that we can communicate that truth to the world around us or to the influences around us that are happening on a regular basis. Especially in this political season, this is easy. This is, this is like low berries on a bush. You are given lies on a regular basis, right? You, you know that, right? This, that's, that is politics. And your first response is, that's a lie, right? That's a lie. That's, that's not true. And, and then somebody will say to you, well, why do you, if they, especially if they're on the other side of the aisle, they'll say to you, prove it, right? And then you'll think, oh, I can prove it. What did I hear a little while ago? Or how do I, what evidence do I have to prove it? Same thing in the spiritual realm. If it is true that the devil is defeated, if it is true that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, if it is true that Jesus has all authority over heaven and earth, and he gives that authority to us, the scriptures that we should know are those scriptures so that we can speak them, like Pastor Tim said, we can speak them when that time comes, use the sword, thrust it into the side, and win the battle. So it is very important that you know God's word on a regular basis. And the powerful truth about this is the more you know the Word of God, the more you read the Word of God, the more the Spirit will bring those truths to mind. That is His job. So you don't have to actually sit down and just, okay, i got to memorize this, memorize this, although that's good to do. But we hide God's Word in our heart through a variety of means, and one of those means is we just read it. Just read it. Read it with your kids. Read it on your lunch break. Read it. Have it in, in audio in your car. The Word of God is your offensive weapon. We need to use it. And... Like Pastor Michael said, pray on the armor daily. That's why prayer is not a part of the armor. Prayer is what goes over all of the armor, all the pieces put on with prayer. The faith you have, the righteousness of Christ that you have, the salvation uh, helmet that keeps your mind in the battle and not believing Satan's lies, prayer is what keeps those armor pieces on securely. So I know it sounds very kindergarten or very very, um, 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 Sunday schoolish, can, but, I, can, uh, I, can I bring down the Sunday school? I created what I call the Armor of God sandwich, okay? Yeah. And it's on a pretzel bun. And the bottom bun, this, you'll love this. This is great. Uh, the bottom bun is the Word of God. It's intake, right? And then the meat is obedience. And, of course, the, you know that really good pretzel bun on the top? Yeah. It's prayer. And so you need to have the Armor of God sandwich. You've got to build the foundation of your life on the, on, the, on the Word of God, right? 
and you need to apply it, which is like, if, I mean, who cares Obedience. if you know it and you don't do it, right? right? right That's right. the substance, right? I'm and a then guy you, who loves to eat. I know, then you yeah, put right. the, the pretzel bun on top, and then you have the Armored God sandwich. So that's, good. that's, that's how I think of it. Thanks, Isn't that good? Pastor Michael. It's fabulous. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of chewing okay, uh, I know, I got hungry really quick. There. All right, we have our, our last two questions here. Pastor Michael, this one's for you. If Satan and demons are defeated, if we really are victorious, then why does God allow the war to continue? That is a tremendous question. Um, I'm, gonna, I'll, I'm gonna answer this to the best of my ability, and let me be very clear. Uh, you're likely not gonna love, love the answer as you start thinking about it. So um, I believe one of the primary, if not the primary reason that God allows this war to continue, and remember, in the wake of this war are many dead bodies, much pain, all of you here are living in the wake of this spiritual war, right? And if I'm the evil one, I'm going to plant an idea to deceive you that's going to sound like a good question, which is if God loved you, he would end this thing now. But apparently God is permitting this to go on, and so people want to know why. And um, one of my core convictions is that God is allowing this to go on to display his ultimate value and victory through suffering worshipers. Uh, let me just say it again. God wants to display his ultimate value and his victory through suffering worshipers. That's you. So every moment that you suffer, you have an option. You can do exactly what Satan thought Job would do, which is reject God and die, right? Um, you can do that. Or you can say, um, I will worship him, come hell or high water, whatever you bring to me, I will worship you. And as you do that, you are making a public mockery of Satan. Every single time you wake up and you say, I'm going to fill my brain with the word of God, um, you make a public mockery of Satan. You show the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time somebody you love dies and you say, I will worship you anyway. A anytime you read the news about what is happening worldwide in war and poverty and suffering, uh, and you just think about the sex slave industry. I mean, this is, these are all the thoughts that are going to go on your brain, and you're going to say, God, why don't you stop this? And every single moment in this world where a Christian is executed and they stay faithful to Jesus Christ, he is publicly displaying the glory, his value, and his worth through suffering worshipers. Um, that may not be the way you would do it, but you also have to understand you're not God who knows everything at all times with per perfect holiness and wisdom and knowledge. Um, you are also, I will say, heavily influenced by sin. Every person, Christian or non-Christian, um, your brain is, is heavily influenced by sin, which is why we need the Word of God. Um, you don't have the capacity, nor I, to, to um, think accurately like God does. And God has found it fit that in this epic of, we'll say, history, um, he believes that the way he will get the most amount of glory is when we show forth his value and his victory by suffering and worship, or worship while we suffer. Um, I know that's not fun, so when we tell people, hey, come to Jesus Christ, the answer is not because it's easy. Um, the next thing is, it's gonna be hard. Um, we've been insulated in America, but I hope you know by now, if you watch any of the news, we're insulated from much of the catastrophe and horror that happens worldwide, but even that, we're insulated in suburban America in our nice homes and our good jobs, because it's all happening around us as well. And so I would say, you exist, you're here, the war is going on, because Jesus is making a constant, repeated public mockery and shaming and declaring his victory and his value through your obedience while you suffer. Amen. Uh, finally, for the last question, this is going to be for all three of you. Uh, what does spiritual warfare look, for, look like for each of you personally? 
We'll start with Pastor Tim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was intentionally looking away. <laughs> um, this is very vulnerable. I mean, we're going to put ourselves very vulnerable in front of you to let you know that we battle uh, demonic forces. Um, pastors aren't given an exempt card, Mm-mm. you know, like, hey, you know, you become a pastor and now Satan has to run. Um, but that's not the case. For me, you know, I don't, I don't battle Satan uh, openly. Um, I, I've seen it a few times, but, you know, that's not how Satan typically works on me. For me, it's uh, the subtle lies. You know, Satan is called <clears throat> the great deceiver, the father of lies. And uh, it's, I, I think this is how he works on most of us. Um, he inserts a thought, a circumstance uh, will play out. For example, and I'm going to be very vulnerable here. You know, recently, um, as you know, I came on staff here about a, a little over a year ago. But more recently, Craig came on. And Michael's been spending a lot of time with, with Craig. And almost to the point where Tim's being totally ignored. And so, <laughs> yes. So this is how he plays out. Well, maybe you're going to be replaced. Maybe you need to be looking for another job. Maybe your, your you know, time here at Village Church is going to be limited. And it's that subtle, deceptive lie that is all untrue, that is the way in which Satan works on me. And what I have to do is I have to go back to get, it, get behind me, Satan. What is the truth? What is the fact? This makes only 100% sense that Michael needs to spend more time with Craig. Gee whiz, I've been spending a lot of time with Craig, you know, and it could be very easy that Michael could feel that way, that Tim doesn't love me anymore because he's spending so much time with Craig. Yeah. We're all like junior say hires at this point inside. All of us. I, I don't need you guys to spend a lot of time with me. Yeah. So I, oh, yes, I, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> trust, trust you us, we do. Yeah. So that's how Satan works on me. We're right. training him. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Craig, what about you? Vulnerable. I need people to hold my hand a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I struggled with this one. Um, and I think, um, I think the answer I have to this one, where does the devil attack me? He attacks me in a lot of different areas. Um, so which ones do I tell you about? Um, the go one, dark first, yeah, like the hardest dark. one, and then go there. Um, so this may not seem... You just started sweating. I know, I know. Just, <laughs> You haven't sweat the whole time? I'm dry. Is there anything? And you're just like, woo, that was good. I it's the it. hair. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's so good. I think the, uh, I think the thing I sh- I'm struggling with now the most is, is exactly this question. Um, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and my generation, um, I'm not a whole lot older than Michael is, but... Um, but I came from a, a different... He reminds me of that a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's only nine years, actually. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Don't let the gray hair or, the, or that boys. Right. <laughs> but the thinking process is interestingly different. And so coming into here in, in Village has been a wonderful blessing to us. We, we came in here when we were in need of love and, and attention and help um, and pastors to hold our hands a lot. And that has been a real blessing for us. Um, it has helped us heal and grow. 
but one thing that has been included in that was something I wasn't prepared for, and that is to be transparent. Um, and so my struggle with, uh, struggle right now is being as transparent as Tim has just been with you, uh, with these guys and with those around me, because you know we pastors that have been in ministry for a long, long time, uh, we have a tendency to need to be always right, and we're the ones that have the questions asked to. Uh, we are the ones that need to be strong so people can lean on us. And I guess that has taken its toll over time, and so uh, I have a tendency to struggle with the fact that um, here at this place, it's safe enough that I can share some some real struggles. And so, uh, so my struggle with sharing is that I have struggles with sharing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> which, which honestly, like where warfare could come is saying, no, like you're a pastor before you're a brother, right? right. And that's like if you're a village anytime, you'll hear, I, I mean, I said this to somebody this morning, like, oh, can I, should I call you Michael or pastor? I'm like, I'm your brother before I'm your pastor. Like if you miss that, you miss this whole thing here, okay? Um, like, we don't need to be the most important people on the planet, although we have responsibility to teach and to communicate, but, like, I could see that being a part of your spiritual warfare, where the devil's like, no, hold back. No, don't be vulnerable. Don't live transparently. Hold your heart close to your chest, you know? And meanwhile, um, part of being in a community is learning how to bleed in front of people. And that's gut-wrenching. Nobody wants to do it. I don't care if you're a pastor or not. Like, that's actually bigger than a pastoral issue. It's a generational issue. So us young folk, we come in and we're like, here's all of our junk. And you old people, you're like, oh, I don't have to do with that. You know? um, Thanks for the compliment. It's good. <laughs> Watch your back. That's good. That's good. Watch your back. All right, so Pastor Michael, uh, yeah. what about you? Spiritual um, warfare. Uh, so one would be my mind. Um, so as you get to know me, you'll know um, I have incredibly high standards for myself, but here's the crazy thing is for, for the majority of people in a church, like, you can be where you're at, and that's totally fine. But for me, when I look at me and my life, I'm like, um, I hyper-criticize myself. And this is one of those places where um, uh, I, I have probably a, when it comes to interpersonally, I don't lack self-esteem. But when it comes to my own performance and my own just ability to do things well, I'm probably my worst critic. I look, I mean, I could beat myself up like crazy, and I do it all the time. And uh, I think there's just a place in my brain that... Um, I think the devil loves to find, or the demonic realm loves to just rise up discouragement from the dumbest places, right? When I know objectively they're not true, I sometimes speak to myself as if I were Satan, and Jesus would never say the words to myself that I say to myself sometimes. I think that would be one big one. Another one is I am, uh, even though I believe we're not exempt from spiritual warfare at all, I do believe that there is a target uniquely on pastors and church leaders because when you can dismantle our lives, you can, you can go after the church in profound ways. Um, and uh, so I think there are a number of circumstances in my life where I believe demonically motivated, possessed, oppressed, or influenced people have brought things to me. And time has almost always um, validated that reality. And uh, those things, they almost always go at the, the lies that I tell myself. It's really interesting how that works. Um, and then um, I think family, like um, that is going to be a place where, you know, when you raise little kids, uh, I just, I always wonder how does Satan influence little kids and demons? Like, I just want to know how that all works. Um, and uh, I just, I just have a sense ongoing and it's always been this way. I think that um, Satan wants to, to get the pastors and through their families, through their kids and through their marriages. And, um, and so I would say those would be the arenas, but I think where I emotionally feel it the most is when people 
who don't know me or who aren't really even connected to what's going on here publicly throw out accusations about stuff that they have no idea about. That's just like, that plays into my insecurities. And, yeah. Thank you. Well, um, that's it for the questions that we're going to ask up here this morning. But on the podcast throughout the next week. So the podcast, you can find it on our website, vcob.org, or you can look uh, in the uh, Apple Podcast app. You can find it through there. Search for VCOB Q&A Podcast. You'll be able to find it. But we're going to ask all the questions that didn't get asked this morning. So some quick examples. Are Ouija boards, tarot cards, and horoscopes really that big of a deal? Why are Christians so vehemently opposed to them? How does Satan use church fights for his own agenda? Is depression a result of demonic oppression? Some uh, questions that came in today. How do we discern areas of deception in our lives? If we aren't to be afraid of Satan, why don't we always feel victorious? Uh, people are claiming to be spiritual without knowing Jesus. Is that possible? Doesn't the Spirit come solely from God? There is a whole slew of other questions that are still to be asked on here. So we will be addressing those in the podcast over the next week. I'd just like to take this moment to pray for these men, uh, to pray for the staff at Village Church, and to pray for Village Church as we just think about the spiritual realm and how much we need Jesus, but how victorious we are in Jesus. Father, I thank you for these pastors. These people who have given their lives to follow you, to proclaim your word, to lead your people. Lord, and for their families, I pray that you would place a hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray that uh, you would protect them from the demonic warfare that, uh, that wants to come against them. Father, I thank you for the wonderful truth that we have great victory over the, demon the demonic realm in Jesus. Lord, I thank you that Satan is made a, a mockery of every time that we have to suffer, that we have to endure something for your sake. Father, I pray that you would uh, give us the perseverance that we need to endure. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can Make a mockery of the name of Satan, and we can lift your name high, and we can give you great glory. Lord, thank you for victory. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.